from deep inside your radio. Well, another week, another time of day, another another kind of voice. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's almost as if we're not really supposed to um, take in nicotine in any way, shape, or form. It's it's uh, what that's beginning to seem like because, you know, the um, the safe way to do it was was vaping, wasn't it? Yet, we learned this week two out of nine electric cigarette brands sold in Japan, <laughs> that's Japan, contained a cancer-causing chemical that exceeded the level contained in normal cigarettes. Uh, the Japan Health Ministry funded this research, which found our old friend formaldehyde. Yeah, it's just smoking an electronic cigarette is like sitting in a, in a FEMA trailer after the New Orleans flood. Um, as much as 120 micrograms of formaldehyde compared with only 76 in regular cigarettes. That's from Japan's National Institute of Public Health. Researchers are globally debating the health effects of e-cigarettes. An article in the New England Journal of Medicine beginning of the year said formaldehyde-releasing agents can form during the vaping process that creates the aerosol for users to inhale. The agents form around the CAA building? No. They form when propylene glycol and glycerol, typically found in e-cigarette liquids, are heated at the high voltage available on the battery-operated products. It's the glycol. It's the glycerol. That's who I blame. Whom I blame. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I think a new feature. There's plenty of of, uh, reason for it. Plenty of grist for this particular mill. It's called Kabuki. And it involves so much of modern politics. Now, for instance, this week, President Obama got a lot of publicity for announcing he was uh, stopping the sale of army-related gear, military gear, to local police departments. Because there had been so much fuss about that, about the uh, sight of Humvees and tanks and so forth, uh, since the up uh, the unrest in Ferguson, Missouri, last summer. Well, he got a, he got some good ink, but it may have been kabuki. The according to the Guardian, the list of prohibited equipment includes only seven items: tracked armored vehicles, weaponized aircraft, vessels and vehicles of any kind, firearms of fifty caliber or higher, ammunition of fifty caliber or higher. Grenade launchers, bayonets, and camouflage uniforms. Of the seven items on that list, six have not been distributed to local law enforcement agencies by the Pentagon for years, according to Defense Department spokesman Mark Wright. The only one we were still issuing at this time, he said, were the bayonets. Not typically used as bayonets attached to rifles, he said, but as big sturdy knives. Not on the list are some of the most intimidating items in police arsenals. Modified M16 assault rifles, Humvees, helicopters, night vision goggles, mine-resistant ambush-protected vehicles, or MRAPs, Bearcat vehicles, military-style helmets, Kabuki. And, ladies and gentlemen, news of News Corp. Nice Corp, sorry. Nice people doing nice things. Nice Corporation Australia 
has admitted it's the only company in that country's high-risk category for tax avoidance. Really? While they're refusing to answer further questions put to them by the Senate's committee in Australia. This comes from the Australian Financial Review, not owned by NiceCorp. NiceCorp had repeatedly declined to comment since the review revealed earlier this month that NiceCorp was the only remaining company still in the tax office's high-risk category and that it faces continual audits and reviews as a result. We understand that the high categorization gives, given to us denotes the complexity of the company and therefore the time and resources required to monitor the complex taxation issues, said NiceCorp's Australia Chief Financial Officer in response to the committee, which is investigating corporate tax avoidance. She said this didn't mean that NiceCorp is not paying the correct amount of tax. She refused the spokeswoman for NiceCorp a, a series of direct requests by the committee to provide figures, you know, numbers. I do not believe that providing details of the tax we paid up to 10 years ago is relevant, said the spokeswoman. News Corp Australia Chief Julian Clark had earlier in the year described as absolute nonsense an analysis by an academic accounting expert that Nice Corp paid income tax in Australia equivalent to 10%, just 10%, I said 10% of operating profits over the last decade. The spokeswoman refused to provide a more accurate figure to the committee. The repeated refusals to answer the committee's questions risk a head-on confrontation that the committee had with a different Australian company, also up for review for tax avoidance. Tax commissioner referred to NiceCorp as, and the, its high-risk ruling, this way, quote, it is about the history of their aggressive behavior in tax over a period of time. Historically, this particular taxpayer has made it quite clear they have not had an interest in being open with us and discussing any of the, their affairs with us prior to their doing transactions. Aggressive? Against transparency? It's nice, Corp. Nice people doing nice things. Hello, welcome to the show. Oh, 
on Seven days in sunny June Long enough to bloom Flowers on that sunbeam dress You wore in spring Yeah, yeah The way we left as well England, home of the British Empire. I'm Harry Shearer, the former British Empire. I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of the Olympic movement. Produced by Jim Ebersall Jr. Well, news comes this week from Tokyo and Rio. In Rio, the water polo competition at the Rio 2016 Olympics is in search of a new venue. A spokesman for the organizers told Reuters this week, if we hear from the state government that it's not going to be ready, we'll have to move. Just over one year before the games begin, work on revamping the aquatic park alongside the soccer stadium, has not begun. A project update in January showed renovations were not yet underway. Two sources familiar with the project say no progress has been made since then. The delays, according to the Director for Communications of the Organizing Committee, which owns the property, are because, no, sorry, is because the state government, which owns the property, and the private company that manages it, have not agreed to the terms of the revamp and future use of the facility. Well... Now that venue for first phase matches of the water polo tournament has officially been scrapped. The Julio de la Mare Aquatic Park was going to receive a $20 million refurbish, but the state government chief of staff said the project was just too costly and would not go ahead. Rio 2016 organizers had tried to secure funding from a third-party consortium, the potential backer, backed out, and the state government did not have the money required. What, the taxpayers weren't, weren't around? The water polo events may be relocated either to the Olympic Park, where the swimming and diving events will take place, though the scheduling 
of that makes it unlikely without a fair degree of disruption, reports Reuters, or to another venue in northern Rio. Plenty of venues left. It's the Olympics. And over on the other side of the world, Tokyo convinced the IOC that the 2020 Summer Games would be in a safe pair of hands in the Japanese capital. Japan's organizational prowess and a $4.5 billion hosting fund gave it a clear edge over its rivals, Madrid and Istanbul. But just five years before that event takes place, concerns over budget-busting construction costs have forced organizers into drastic changes, resulting in a very different Olympics than the ones promised. Rising labor and construction costs have forced Tokyo to rethink its plans for 10 venues it intended to build for the Games reneging on a bid commitment to host a majority of events within five miles of the Olympic Village. Gee, I thought the contracts made public last week said promises made in bids to the IOC were binding. Japan's sports minister said this week Tokyo's new national stadium should ditch plans for a retractable roof to save money. Plans, plans came under fire soon after his Tokyo bid was successful due to ballooning cost estimates. Well, that's a new Olympic event, cost ballooning, and a lack of harmony with the surrounding cityscape. Now, Japan's sports minister says more of the financial burden for the stadium should be shouldered by the city of Tokyo. Oh, their taxpayers are available. Because it's the Olympics. It's a movement. And we all need one every day. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I mentioned at the start of the broadcast uh, something about different voice. I, I happened to listen to the couple minutes of last week's show you know I, I do that to make sure that the show gets up to the network okay or just to prove to myself that i still exist and in either case i i noticed i hadn't sounded like that on the radio it was an early morning when i recorded last week's show i hadn't sounded like that since i actually started as a so-called grown-up in radio and um, one of my jobs was to be the guy who read the 6 a.m. news, because I was the last person hired. So, of course, I I got that prime duty, that plum assignment. And every day for about six months, the first words I spoke to any human being were, it's 6 a.m. and this is the news. And that's how I sounded last week. So I, my pledge to you is I won't be recording again another show before breakfast. And now... News of Bad Banks. Bad bank. Maybe you heard this week that uh, five uh, banks had um, been fined around $5 billion. I know, it sounds like a lot of money. Not compared to what... Um, J.P. Morgan Chase paid in a settlement last year, which was $13 billion, but it's still, you know, it's still good lunch money. Anyway, the, what the uh, those fines were about 
was the apparent collusion of those banks in rigging the foreign exchange rates among different countries' currencies. Yes, that still goes on. Um, According to the uh, Financial Times, documents published by U.S. and British authorities revealed embarrassing banter between supposedly rival traders at different banks as they colluded to manipulate prices. One typical quote from a Barclays trader read, quote, If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Unquote. Of course, as of this moment, none of those miscreant bankers has actually been indicted or charged with a crime. Just the banks, which means the stockholders pay. Findings from a probe by the New York Department of Financial Services indicate, according to the Financial Times, more widespread market abuse than was disclosed this week. According to people familiar with the investigation, they pointed out that Wednesday's settlement related to allegations of market manipulation by bankers, bank employees, but the New York probe covers electronic trading, machines cheating, which accounts for the majority of foreign exchange transactions do machine transactions. So talk about our artificial intelligence. We've taught the machines to cheat. Twenty of the world's biggest banks have paid, according to Reuters, more than $235 billion in fines and compensation in just the last seven years for a litany of misdeeds that is scarred the industry and is delaying its rehabilitation? Good luck with that. The scale of the payouts, in equivalent to the annual economy of Greece or Portugal, has hampered banks' efforts to rebuild capital, has reduced dividends for investors, and cut the amount firms are able to lend, as if they wanted to. The misconduct bill is expected to rise by tens of billions more dollars, According to Reuters, some things have changed, but I'd be pessimistic of a complete shift in culture without more measures being taken, says the dean of the business school at Warwick University. Warwick in uh, England. He's a former foreign exchange trader. He says bonuses are too high. Still, there's a little threat of jail for wrongdoers. Still, and bosses are not held responsible. Bingo. All three. He says the problem is the incentives for cheating markets is massive. If you can shift a rate fractionally, you can make millions and millions of dollars for your bank and then get big bonuses. Relatively few individuals have been punished in any country, not just the United States. Britain's introducing new rules to make senior managers and board members directly accountable for their actions. Bank of America has paid out twice as much as any other bank in settlements and compensation. Bank of Opportunity? Yeah, if they screwed you with a bill of almost $80 million. Sorry, billion dollars. $80 billion from the Bank of America. Thank you, Bank of America. And on the same subject of bad banks, this from a member of the Securities and Exchange Commission, Kara Stein. A dissent from the Commission's orders this week that granted waivers from an array of disqualifications for banks usually required by federal securities regulations. UBS, Barclays, Citigroup, J.P. Morgan Chase, and the Royal Bank of Scotland got waivers from commission rules that automatically make them ineligible for well-known 
seasoned issuer status, WKSI status. This confers on the largest companies certain advantages over smaller companies. Yep, built into the system. For example, WKSIs are granted nearly instant access to investors through the capital markets. They enjoy greater flexibility in their public communications and a streamlined registration process with less oversight than smaller businesses because, you know, the smaller businesses are so much less trustworthy. UBS, Barclays, and J.P. Morgan Chase got waivers from uh, disqualification provisions relating to the safe harbor for forward-looking statements under the Securities Act. I have no idea what that means, but they didn't. They did get the waivers. And UBS and three Barclays um, units got waivers from the automatic bad actor disqualification under Rule 506. They got waivers from the bad actor disqualification. The disqualification, says Kara Stein, the dissenting SEC member, were triggered for generally the same behavior, a criminal conspiracy to manipulate exchange rates in the foreign exchange market, a global market for buying and selling currencies. Traders at these firms entered into and engaged in a combination and conspiracy to fix, stabilize, maintain, increase, or decrease the price of and rid bids and offers for currency exchanges. To carry out their scheme, I'm still quoting from Kara Stein, the conspirators communicated and coordinated trading almost daily in an exclusive online chat room that the traders referred to as the cartel, or the mafia. In addition, salespeople and traders lied to customers in order to collect undisclosed markups in certain transactions. This criminal behavior went on for years unchecked and undeterred, says the dissenting member of the Securities and Exchange Commission. She adds there are compelling reasons to reject these requests to waive the automatic disqualifications required by statute or rule. Chief among them is the recidivism of these institutions. In the face of the foreign exchange criminal action, a majority of the commission is determined to grant Citigroup yet another waiver to give it well-known seasoned issuer status. This is its fourth waiver since 2006. You only get a waiver when you do something that would automatically trigger that disqualification. It's worth noting, says Karastein, Citigroup was automatically disqualified from such status between 2010 and 2013 for unrelated misconduct, meaning it has now effectively triggered disqualifications five times in roughly nine years, not, including the ones that were waived. In addition, the commission, the commission has granted Barclays its third waiver since 2007, UBS its seventh waiver since 2008, J.P. Morgan Chase its sixth waiver since 2008, and Royal Bank of Scotland, its third since 2013. The commission has just just granted thus at least 23 waivers to these five institutions in the past nine years. The number climbs higher if you include bad actor, well, I don't know about that, and other waivers. This latest round of criminal charges, she continues, also comes on the heels of the Department of Justice's actions against UBS, Barclays, and Royal Bank, for their collective manipulation of the LIBOR rate, benchmark used in financial products around the world. The manipulation of LIBOR was flagrant and impacted financial products the world over, and it eroded the integrity of the financial markets. As part of their settlements in the LIBOR matters, UBS, Barclays, and Royal Bank of Scotland each entered agreements with the Department of Justice in which they undertook not to commit additional crimes during the terms of the agreements, which apparently... 
they now are revealed to have done. Quoting Kara Stein again, dissenting member of the Securities and Exchange Commission, allowing these institutions to continue business as usual after multiple and serious regulatory and criminal violations poses risks to investors and the American public that are being ignored. And now the commission heads further down this path, says Stein. After the LIBOR guilty pleas, UBS was granted a waiver that was explicitly conditioned on compliance with the judgment in that matter. That explicit condition has now been violated, yet the commission has just issued UBS a new waiver. It is troubling enough, says Kara Stein of the Securities and Exchange Commission, to consistently grant waivers for criminal misconduct. It is an order of magnitude more troubling to refuse to enforce our own explicit requirements for such waivers. This type of recidivism and repeated criminal misconduct should lead to revocations of prior waivers, not the granting of a whole new set of waivers. In conclusion, I'm troubled by repeated instances of non-compliance at these global financial institutions, which may be indicative of a continuing culture that does not adequately support legal and ethical behavior. Unquote dissenting member of the Securities and Exchange Commission. But, you know, the other commissioners have a point of view, too, the ones who voted for the waivers. It's uh, probably linked to the fact that when they leave the commission, they're going to go work in the banking industry. News of bad banks, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. We've got the ultra-modern What the frack, you may ask? Fracking wastewater may be more radioactive than researchers previously believed. Really? Yes, a new study shows that commonly used testing methods may underestimate the total radio- radioactivity of wastewater produced by gas wells that use hydraulic fracking. According to a paper published in Science, that's all. Just Science. Publication of the American Association for the Advancement of Science. It's Science. The study published last month by the journal Environmental Health Perspectives. Well, where was it published? (laughs) It was published in one of those two places. Anyway, it was published. It says, current assessments of the radioactivity concentration in liquid wastes focus on a single element, radium. However, the use of radium alone to predict radioactivity concentrations can greatly underestimate total levels. The study said predicting radioactivity of fracking wastewater requires an understanding of the geochemistry decay properties and ingrowth kinetics of radium and its decay product radionuclides. I wish I understood my decay properties. The study called for policy changes. The findings suggest government agencies should consider retooling some testing recommendations and take a fresh look at possible worker exposure to potentially harmful waste. Some outside researchers are skeptical that the laboratory study reflects real-world conditions, according to Science. The magazine, not the study. Environmentalists have long been drawing attention to the danger of radioactive oil and gas wastewater. Others have just thrown up their hands and said, what the frack? Ladies and gentlemen, if you're familiar with sports at all, you know that um, a lot of athletes in team sports, individual sports, I guess, too, Uh, engage in what's called trash talking. Um, 
derogatory remarks aimed at their opponents to um, attempt to diminish their opponent's self-confidence or to embellish one's own, the trash talker zone. Apparently, the same thing's going on in the Middle East. Uh, We're familiar with the trash talk that comes from, or that's reported to come from Iran, from the Ayatollah, who's the spiritual head of Iran from time to time. We're not as familiar with the trash talk that may come be coming from the other side. This is Israeli Defense Minister Moisha Yalon talking about some of Israel's recent moves against Iran and what might come next. I can imagine some other steps that should be taken. Of course, we should be sure that we can look at the mirror after the decision or the operation. Of course, we should be sure that it is a military necessity. We should consider cost and benefit, of course. But at the end, we might take certain steps. I do remember the story of President Truman, who was asked, how did you feel after deciding to launch the nuclear bombs, Nagasaki and Hiroshima, causing at the end the fatalities of 200,000 casualties. And he said, when I heard from my officers that the alternative is a long war with Japan, with potential fatalities of a couple of millions, I thought it is a moral decision. We are not there yet, but that's what I'm talking about, certain steps in cases in which we feel like we don't have the answer by surgical operations or something like that. We're not there yet. And, and, you know, Truman was just an analogy picked fortuitously from the air. I don't think that was the fact that he dropped nukes on another country. That's, it's it's just, we're just talking about certain steps. Annals of Trash Talk, ladies and gentlemen, for your listening pleasure. chin is on the ground I pick myself up, dust myself off, start all over again Don't lose your confidence if you slip, be grateful for a pleasant trip and pick yourself up, dust yourself off start all over again Work like a soul inspired till the battle of the day is won You may be sick and tired, but you'll be a man my son Will you remember the famous men who had to fall to rise again? So take a deep breath, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, start all over again.
battle of the day is won. You may be sick and tired, but you feel mad, my son. Will you remember the famous man who had to fall to rise again? So take a deep breath, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and start right over. From London, this is Le Show, and now, News of the Atom. Clean, safe, too cheap to meet. Save, cheap, too cheap to meet. Clean, save, too safe to meet. Save, save, too safe to meet. Eddie, our friend the Atom, long time no see. Yeah, I know. I've been working on my taxes. Your taxes? What, you don't think Adams pay taxes? I... You've heard of uh, microfinance? Yes, I have. It's a, a micro-lending and... Uh... That's right. This is nanofinance. Wow. So you, you pay, what, mills in tax? I owe mills. Okay. Revised emergency procedures at the nuclear power plant north of Richland, Washington. Revised emergency procedures did not meet all safety requirements from last June until March of this year, according to the Nuclear Regulatory... Regulatory Commission. Well, nothing happened. No, you're right. The NRC issued a preliminary finding of white on its color scale that grades the safety significance of violations. That's the second lowest on the scale, low to moderate safety significance. So we can relax? I I don't think Adam's ever relaxed, do you? No. The um, NRC concluded that the issue raised in the Columbia Generating Station's inspection was not an immediate safety concern. Let's take a count of five before we get worried. Energy Northwest, which operates the plant, could recommend an evacuation as a measure to protect the public when appropriate, despite what its emergency procedures said. Energy and the NRC agreed. In addition, Energy Northwest gave immediate guidance to its staff and initiated changes in its procedures. The procedure covers a highly unlikely event, said the spokesman for the company, John Dobkin. It's a highly unlikely spokesman. Yeah. The changes removed the option of recommending that residents within two to five miles of the nuclear power plant shelter in place if there was a brief release of airborne radioactive material during an emergency. Some officials of the company misunderstood regulations to conclude that that scenario called for an evacuation recommendation. That scenario, did you know this, Addy, is called a puff release. Brief release of airborne radioactive material is a puff release. Sounds refreshing. I think it's supposed to. Safety limits on the storage of some of the world's most dangerous nuclear waste at Sellafield in England have been relaxed after an accident knocked out a treatment plant. Well, when you have an accident, you have to relax the safety limits, don't you? Doesn't that make sense? Or am I? Yeah, you are. You're spinning. The British government safety watchdog, the Office for Nuclear Regulation, has permitted the private company that runs Sellafield to breach legal restrictions on the amount of hot high-level radioactive waste that can be kept in tanks. The limits are likely to be exceeded by up to 350 tons between uh, April of last year and July of next year. Critics accused the company of breaking their promises. No, actually, the regulator of breaking their promises and putting Sellafield's profits before safety. The regulator, regulator insisted there was minimal hazard increase, while Sellafield 
operator says it puts safety first. The waste storage limits were imposed in 2001 were meant to minimize the risk of a disaster spreading a plume of potentially lethal radioactive contamination over the UK and Ireland, officially regarded as Sellafield's worst credible accident. I'd hate to hear about the incredible ones. The liquid liquid waste comes from Britain's nuclear power stations and generates significant amounts of heat. Like yourself, I think. Thank you. It has to be constantly cooled and stirred to prevent it from overheating. Like me. Sellafield asked for permission to breach the storage limits to help cope with a backlog caused by an accident a year and a half ago. A plant meant to solidify the waste to make it safer, lost power, suffered gross contamination, and had to be closed for 11 months. The alternative to exceeding the storage limits was to temporarily close a nuclear fuel reprocessing plant at Sellafield that separates out the waste. This would mean it would operate the plant for two or three years beyond its time in 2018 when it's due to shut for good, placing extra strain on aging downstream facilities. The regulator admitted breaching the waste storage limit would lead to a modest increase in hazard, it concluded that temporarily shutting the reprocessing plant would be more risky. I'd like to uh, basically put in for net contamination instead of gross. I think you, you can make that deal. The Nuclear Regulatory Commission in this country has endorsed an approach to a key post-Fukushima change that would not require the nuclear reactors most resembling the plants at Fuk to install certain hardened vents that some say are needed to prevent another disaster, but the industry maintains are not necessary for all those reactors. The NRC staff, for the most part, upheld the approach that the Nuclear Energy Institute, the main political organization of the industry, had outlined in the months leading up to the staff decision. Adding vents could cost several million dollars per reactor, while the NRC did not rule out the possibility that the vents may be found to be the best option at certain reactors. With this new guidance, it's unlikely any of the reactors will install the vents. The regulation affects about 31 reactors. The Union of Concerned Scientists has argued that the vents should indeed be required as a form of insurance in case the strategies to deal with pressure buildup fail. Nothing from you, right? No. I just found it fascinating. TEPCO should consider discharging water contaminated by the Fuke reactor meltdowns into the Pacific Ocean, according to the International Atomic Energy Agency. More than four years after the nuclear plant disaster, the UN agency renewed pressure for an alternative to holding the tainted water in tanks. There are those tanks again. You're welcome. And ordered to help monitor for offshore radiation. Better in the ocean than in tanks, says the IEIA. And Deadline Las Vegas. Really? Yeah. An earthquake hit the Las Vegas Valley just before noon on Friday of this week. The nearly 5.8 Templar was centered about 25 miles south of Caliente. Means hot in Spanish. That's right. The earthquake centered about 75 miles east of Yucca Mountain renewed questions about the viability of storing high-level nuclear waste there. Very distant, very distant... uh likelihood of anything bad happening because of that. You think? I know. I just paid my taxes. I feel very confident in my judgments. Clean, cheap, safe, too. Tax-paying Demeter. Or not. Our friend the Adam. And uh, David Letterman wasn't the only person who's uh, ending a couple of decades of broadcasting on CBS. 
Today on Face the Meat, a conversation with this program's most frequent guest. During the more than two decades, I've been moderator of this broadcast. The one-time maverick now turned elder statesman, Senator John McCain. Although we'll continue to talk to each other at the cocktail parties where media and political people gather, this is probably his last interview with me here. Because this is Face the Meat. And good morning again. And uh, Senator McCain, I don't have to welcome you to this studio. You've been here so often, you probably should be welcoming me. Well, thanks, Bob. Yes, it was a, a wonderful day for me a few years ago when your crew gave me my own personalized coffee mug. It, it, it meant so much. Well, Senator, you've witnessed a lot of changes here in Washington since I became moderator. What's, a, what's the most disturbing to you? Well, Bob, in the old days uh, in the Senate, we'd have our disagreements on the floor or or in committee. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then in uh, the evenings or on the weekends, we'd get together over cigars and uh, perhaps some beverages, <laughs> and uh, we'd be able to work something out. Now we've got a a new breed of people in the Senate. These fellows don't uh, don't stay in town that long at any one stretch, and. Uh, Frankly, I don't think they even like cigars. Well, they'd be illegal in the Capitol building anyway, wouldn't they? Oh, only for the staff, Bob. As you know, we're never actually subject to the laws that we pass. Well, Senator, do you think that we're safer now than when I first began this job? Or are we in more potential danger or what? Well, Bob, you know I've tried very hard not to be a sore loser about the... Uh, 2008 uh, campaign because, uh, well, it just doesn't lead to anything good. But I have to say, uh, this administration's approach to foreign policy has been so feckless, uh, it's it's going to be a long time before any successor can can get back America's feck. Uh, we're not feared, we're not respected, we're not trusted. Well, Senator, over the last decade or so, America has invaded two countries, and we've had military operations over flights and bombings and so forth and several others. Exactly what more would we have to do for other countries to fear us? And Bob, you know uh, what they say in Washington, a, a, a gaffe is when you accidentally uh, say something that you really think. <laughs> well, uh, a, a few years ago I had one of those when... Uh, as now, uh, we were trying to figure out uh, administration policy toward a very dangerous nation in our world. Well, you're 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 referring to uh, the time during the 2008 campaign when you sang the words "bomb Iran." <laughs> As I recall, you told reporters afterwards that you were only joking. That's correct, Bob. But uh, as time has gone on and. Uh, Things have only gotten more serious, and this president is on the verge of signing some kind of agreement that our Israeli friends are very, very concerned about. Well, uh, Bob, I'm I'm not joking anymore. Well, you mean that you really think that we should attack uh, Iran right now while while the negotiators are uh, are still talking? Well, certainly while negotiators are talking is uh, almost the best time to attack, because the other side is certainly not expecting it. They're... They're busy licking their chops over this deal. But, Bob, rather than just talk about it, I, I brought you a, a special video as a gift for your uh, your departure. Well, Senator, you're not going to climb out of a cake like Bill Murray did on the Letterman show, are you? Not that I know of. No, Bob, my friends, uh, Senator Lindsey Graham and uh, Joe Lieberman. The, the former senator. Well, in my mind, he's still a senator. Uh, you know, we've been on many fact-finding trips uh, abroad together around the world. We've found... Very, very many facts. But sometimes when we're all here in town, we just get together to 
sing and play some songs. And really, you you have a band? We 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 are the band. Uh, we're the Hawks, and uh, here's our version of what I think our uh, policy towards Iran should be. Well, now, is this a world premiere, Senator? <laughs> Only if we stop talking and they actually play the video. Ready, fellas? I'm plugged in. Yeah, I'm on the beat. Here's the Ayatollah, fandanical high roller. Smash him in the face with explosive Coca-Cola. Bomb Iran. Become Iran. They've been doing double dealing. Give them that bomb and feeling. Bomb Iran. Might need a second stab. They've hardened their big lab. A dose of heavy metal. Put an end to all the gab. Bomb Iran. Face palm Iran Give the place a heavy rock And get the mullah's knees a-knockin' Bomb Iran Oh, they don't like inspectors They're conditioned rejectors A bunker-bustin' blitz Will put a sizzle in all sectors Bomb Iran Yes, and calm Iran Our partners in Riyadh will give them the fear of God, Bomb Iran. We'll give the place a heavy rock and get the mullah's knees a knocking, Bomb Iran, Bomb, 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 Bomb Iran. Well, Senator, uh, I, I know I'm retiring, but if you ever d- decide to quit the Senate, I think you've got a great career as a country singer. You can come on down to Fort Worth. And- <laughs> Thanks, Bob. But, uh, of course, that was a message song, and I hope the message got across. Also, Lindsey Graham is one hell of a drummer. Well, Senator, in all the times we've been together on this set, I have to say, I don't think you've ever knowingly told me something that you didn't want me to think you actually meant, and that's... Pretty rare these days around this town, and I, Thank you. I appreciate the fact that you spent even more time here than at the other Sunday shows. Well, Bob, it's a mark not only of my respect for you, but uh, the happy fact that this studio is in walking distance from my apartment. But look, my friend, good luck in your retirement. Uh, maybe I'll have to get a customized mug from Fox News Sunday. Well, stranger things have happened, Senator. Thank you for being with us this morning, and join us next week for more. Face the meat. And now, the apologies of the week. We're so sorry. Well, somebody's apologized to Jay-Z. Imagine that. The Marina Abramovic, or Abramovic, caused a stir following an interview she gave to an art magazine in which she slammed Jay-Z for apparently breaking his promise to donate to her art institute, according to Billboard magazine. The 68-year-old Belgrade native said her involvement with this music video Picasso Baby, which was inspired by her 2010 performance, was a one-way transaction. But the Marina Abramovich Institute has since apologized to both Jay-Z and Abramovich herself, saying the artist was, quote, not informed of his donation and that they've taken appropriate actions to reconcile this matter. 
According to Artnet News, his contribution was substantial. Yo! A supermarket chain in the United Kingdom has apologized after selling products mislabeled as halal, halal, or permissible for consumption by observant Muslims. The apology by the Germany-based Aldi supermarket chain followed an outcry by Muslim customers who discovered that a halal-labeled product stocked at the at some of the chain's 500 stores contained pig blood and skin. We have now investigated this matter with the supplier who has advised that the packaging was incorrectly labeled as halal certified and the problem is currently being rectified, said a spokesperson for Aldi. We apologize for any confusion caused by this unfortunate isolated matter. While this is not a food safety or compliance issue, any customers who are not satisfied are welcome to return their pig blood, I mean, purchase to store for a full refund. It's globalization. Muslims in Britain complain about a German supermarket chain. Isn't it wonderful? Israeli's foreign foreign minister, Avigdor Lieberman, has apologized after calling supporters of a two-state solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, quote, autistic, unquote. Lieberman made his remarks in an interview with Israel Radio, saying anyone who thinks going back to the 1967 lines will solve the conflict is autistic. A uh, foundation had earlier demanded that Lieberman apologize. He cited... The head of the foundation cited Lieberman as stating, quote, I didn't mean in any way to offend autistic people, but wanted to illustrate the unwillingness of some people to accept certain realities, and I apologize if anyone was hurt. Unquote. That is an if-pology. Google has apologized for offense caused by vandalism of its Maps tools that meant users searching for racist terms are being sent to the White House. In what appears to be a result of Google bombing, users forced searches for N-Word House and N-Word King to redirect to the White House. The company said it apologized, quote, for any offense this may have caused. And, of course, I was being euphemistic in my description of the language. Deadline Washington, a Georgia Republican, apologized this week after saying he felt safer in Israel than in certain parts of New York City or Chicago. Freshman Congressman Barry Loudermilk told a conservative radio show that during a recent congressional trip to Israel, we never felt threatened one bit. In fact, I can say we felt safer in Israel than we would in certain parts of New York City or Chicago, he said with a chuckle. Um, Representative Pete King of New York wasn't amused. There are too many people from other parts of the country who feel like they can take cheap shots in New York, he said, noting New York's low violent crime rate. Loudermilk, through his spokesman, said his comments were sensationalized to create division where none was intended. I certainly never intended to disparage any U.S. city, and I apologize if anyone took offense to my comments. End of his if-pology. By the way, Atlanta's murder rate is nearly four times that of New York City. Deadline Ithaca, New York, an Ithaca police officer who was photographed in a grocery store wearing a hat that says, quote, violence does solve problems, unquote, has apologized for wearing it while uniformed. According to a statement by the police chief, Chief John Barber said the officer admitted to wearing the hat while on break and said the officer has apologized to co-workers via email. The incident is being handled as a personnel matter. The phrase comes from a security company which is run by the Chris Kyle Foundation and family. He, from American Sniper. The Port Charlotte Stone Crabs, a minor league baseball team affiliated with the Tampa Bay Rays, has apologized for um, a promotion they were having to celebrate the return of Alex Rodriguez to the New York Yankees. The uh, Stone Crabs were playing a Yankees-affiliated minor league team and were giving away, or were promising to give away, 
A-Rod juice boxes. 100% juiced side effects include tainted records, inflated ego, emission from the Hall of Fame, and more. The Yankees and Rays both objected, the major league teams, finding it in poor taste. We've taken many stops, steps in the past few hours to get them to cease and desist, said a Yankee spokesman. The Stone Crabs issued it the apology. The organization would like to apologize for the insensitive nature of tonight's promotion. We in no way meant any ill intent or to offend anyone through this promotion. We sincerely apologize to the Yankees, the Tampa Bay Rays, and anyone offended by this promotion. Said Stone Crabs general manager, our intent was to raise awareness for a homeless coalition. We realize this promotion may have been offensive to many, and for that we are sorry, and we decided to cancel the promotion. Unquote. They gave some money to the homeless coalition themselves instead. U.S. regulators have ordered the company whose pipeline spilled thousands of gallons of oil along the California central coast to take corrective steps before it can restart the pipeline. The Transportation Department issued a corrective action order that requires the pipeline company to perform detailed actions, including removing the damaged section of the pipe, testing it, and emptying the rest of the line. This is the spill at Refugio State Beach in uh, near the city, near Santa Barbara. More than 100,000 gallons of oil may have leaked out before the flow was shut off on Tuesday. The company, Plains All-American Pipeline, has apologized and has vowed to conduct cleanup operations around the clock. And maybe even to enlarge the clock. And a customer was called the N-word on a receipt from Huck Finn's Cafe in New Orleans. She ordered a Cajun burger and was dished a side of racism. She was the daughter of one of the Neville brothers. The uh, N-word was printed on a receipt after dining at Huck Finn's in the French Quarter. The phrase N-word 100% dislike was typed into Lyrica Neville Branch's check, interwoven between the woman's itemized food orders. This is unacceptable. I couldn't sleep last night, Branch said. She was working, eating lunch with three other black co-workers when they were given the bill with the racial slur. When she asked to speak, to a manager, she was told it was part of a joke employees play on black employees who work in the back of the restaurant. Huck Finn's Cafe apologized, saying in a statement, the sports bar on Decatur Street fired the worker and was shocked and appalled at the receipt. They did not say that the N-word stood for Neville. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week at the same time over these same stations over NPR worldwide throughout Europe on the USN 440 cable system in Japan, around the world through the facilities of the American Forces Network up and down the east coast of North America via the shortwave giant WBCQ, the planet, 7.490 megahertz shortwave on the mighty 104 in Berlin, around the world via the Internet at two different locations, live and archived, whenever you want at harryshearer.com and kcsn.org, available for your smartphone, Getting smarter every day through Stitcher.com and available as a free podcast from iTunes, www.no.org, Sideshow Network, SoundCloud, 
and TuneIn.com. Probably more. Who knows? And it'll be just like knowing if you'd agree to join with me then. Would you already? Thank you very much. Uh-huh. Tip of the Le Show Chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Exile in Hawaii desks. Thanks, as always, to Pam Halstead and to Jenny Lawson at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program and a playlist of the music heard here on, and your chance to obtain Cars I Talk t-shirts, all at harryshearer.com. Saying farewell to Lewis Johnson, amazing bass player. This is Le Show, which comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from London. <laughs>